0: God is saying there's something you need to give attention to immediately or your spiritual life will break down. Do something about this now. Do something about this now. If you ignore those warning signs, your life will end up crashing.
1: It's time for Moody Presents with Dr. Mark Job. I'm John Geiger, and today we continue our study called Deeper beyond shallow spirituality by observing some warning signs. Our teacher, Dr. Mark Job, is the president of the Moody Bible Institute and founding pastor of New Life Community Church in Chicago. Now, according to Pastor Mark, you and I will all have to admit that sometimes we don't pay attention to important things when it comes to our spiritual life and we need to pay better attention. Well, God gives us certain warnings, signs in life that we will discuss today so that our spiritual life doesn't end up crumbling around us. Let's get started with today's message called Sin.
0: This week I want to talk to you about uh, the denial in our heart, what to do when we are slipping and sliding down in our spiritual life. All right, 2 Samuel chapter 11 and 12. Uh, You may have been driving in your car sometime, And seeing that there's a little light on your dashboard that begins to flicker on and off, we call it the engine warning light. Some of you, when you see that engine warning light, you think, ah, the light is on. Let me keep driving to see if it'll go off. Others of you kind of bang on the dashboard and say, this car, I don't know how I'm going to fix it. And you hope it's going to go away. Some of you just get a piece of paper and put it in front just so it doesn't remind you that your car is broken down. And then finally, when your car breaks down on the expressway and you're calling your cousin up that owns a tow company and saying, hey, bro, can you come and get me? I'm stuck. Then you wonder, why didn't I do something when the light was flashing? There were warning signs that imminent breakdown was coming, but you ignored the warning signs. In our spiritual life, there are also flashes of warning that oftentimes we ignore even though they're flashing. In the spiritual realm, we call it conviction. Uh, Some people call it guilt, But I prefer the word conviction because sometimes there's false guilt and true guilt. True guilt, healthy guilt, is called conviction. It means that the warning sign starts flashing in your life because God is saying there's something you need to give attention to immediately or your spiritual life will break down. Do something about this now. Do something about this now. If you ignore those warning signs, your life will end up crashing. And some of you have had spiritual crashes and wondered how you got there, but it didn't happen all of the sudden. There were warning signs flashing telling you it's about to occur. The story I'm about to read to you, the account that we're going to talk about, has to do with warning signs and how to avoid spiritual burnout. And if you have gone down the slope of letting your heart get hard, how to begin to climb out of that place. We're going to look at the life of David. King David was an an amazing person. He's one of my favorite characters in the entire Bible. Because he's a warrior, yet he's a poet. He's a king, yet he's a worshiper. At one time he's slaying Goliath, the next time he's with his harp writing the lyrics to the Lord is my shepherd, I shall not want. He's both a man yet an artist. I love that about David. And and, and yet he had this sensitivity to the heart of God. In fact, the Bible gives him one of the greatest compliments that could ever be, be given in the spiritual realm. He's called a man after God's own heart. The Messiah, Jesus, both the lineage of Mary and the lineage of Joseph can be traced back to King David. It's said of David It was prophesied of David, you will have a kingdom that will have no end because his kingdom would eventually go to the lineage of Jesus and Jesus the king will reign forever. He's an incredible, powerful person. He wrote the Psalms, one of my favorite books of the Bible. When I want to worship, I go to the Psalms. I love to go to the Psalms and let let that be my prayer and read and sing and meditate through the Psalms. He wrote those Psalms, a majority of them, yet there was a dark chapter in David's life, a very dark chapter. This man that's called a man after God's own heart, this man that wrote lyrics that are incredible this man that god chose this man that was the second king of israel but the really the first real king of israel this man lived pretty well but there came a time in his life that he did not heed the warning signs the engine light of his spiritual life and he ended up having a very dark period in his life and this is where we're picking up in 2 Samuel chapter 11. I'm going to begin reading in verse 1. It says, In the spring, at the time when kings go off to war, David sent Joab out with the king's men and the whole Israelite army. They destroyed the Ammonites and they besieged Rabbah. But David remained in Jerusalem. Now, this is the beginning of the downfall. I want to talk to you about underestimating five areas in our life. If we underestimate these areas, we also will end up on the side of the spiritual road needing to be towed. There's five areas that you cannot underestimate. Area number one, you should never underestimate the danger of distractions. The danger of distractions. Notice what it says. It says in the spring, at the times when kings go off to war, David sent Joab out with the king's men and the whole Israelite army, but David remained in Jerusalem. David had always been a leader. He'd always been a man that had gone out with the troops. He had dressed himself up in the armor of a warrior And he had gone in front of the troops. He had fought side by side with the troops. He was a warrior at heart. He was a leader. But it seems to be that somehow David had begun begun to lose his purpose and his mission. And instead of being out with his men, doing what God had called him to do, he stayed back. Why did he stay back? It doesn't tell us. But, you know, sometimes we can become bored with what we've done before. Uh, sometimes that which causes adrenaline in our system, if we've done it too many times, so many times, we sort of get bored. Been there, done that. A period where you sort of drag, out, drag yourself out of bed. A lethargic period where you stay in your bathrobe a lot. Watch a lot of television, eat a lot of junk. It's just kind of aimless. Not that anything is going terrible in life, but just mm, it's all about you, really. It's all about what feels good. Because you're not living for something that's bigger than you. There comes a time in our life, if we're not careful, we can lose our purpose, our mission, our mission, our vision. And then it becomes self-centered, our living, and it breaks down because you're at your best when you're living for something bigger than yourself. It says that David stayed back. When all of his men were out there fighting, he stayed back. And, 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 and it tells us in the next verse that one evening David got up from his bed, up from his bed while your army is out there. I'm not sure when it was, but it was obviously in some time of the daylight, up from his bed, walking around on the roof place. So the first thing I want you to, to never underestimate is the danger of distraction. Do not let your life get distracted from your mission. Make sure you go back to why am I here on earth? What has God called me to do? I want you to understand something. Listen to me. Look up at me. Listen, you have a purpose in life. Your purpose is bigger than you. Your purpose is greater than your own comfort. Your purpose is beyond your own success. Your purpose is a God-given purpose. It's a divine purpose. No one else can fulfill that purpose but you. You are at the right place at the right time to accomplish the purposes God has called you to. Understand that. Grasp that. Receive that. Because oftentimes we live as though we have no purpose. I know you have a purpose. And when you engage in that purpose, you will do things you never thought you could do. You will impact lives that you never dreamed you could impact. You will have have an influence far beyond your capability because you've engaged in divine purpose.
1: That's Mark Job, and you're listening to Moody Presents. Stay with us as we go deeper in our understanding of how to recognize the warning lights in life and how to act on them. Quick reminder that today's program and all of Mark's messages heard here on Moody Presents are available for streaming online. Head over to moodyradio.org for a full archive of messages that will hopefully help equip and encourage you in your faith journey. And at the end of the program today... I'll also let you know how you can partner with us to keep this ministry coming your way week after week. Again, that's MoodyPresents.org. We now take a turn to our dark side, or nature, as our message continues. Here again is Mark Job on Moody Presents.
0: The second thing I want you to remember is this, that we should never underestimate the deceit of our dark side. We all have a dark side, all of us, all of us. It's the side that comes out when we're at our worst. Uh, Some of you live with a person that you think is bipolar, (laughs) Jekyll and Hyde, because there are times when they are so nice. I mean, they're like, The nicest person in the world. People love him. The greatest guy, give you the shirt off his back. And then, oh, you've seen the dark underbelly of the dark side. Like, who is this person? Where did that come from? Oh, it came from where all of our dark side comes from it came from our sinful nature. We all have it, every single one of us. It's there. It's lurking in the recesses of your spirit because although you have a new nature as a believer, you also still have the old nature. Now, as a believer in Jesus Christ, you have the ability to tame, to conquer, to live beyond, above and beyond the power of your sinful nature. But it is still there. It is crucified, but it is still there. Uh, Some people have believed over the years, like John Wesley, uh, he's the fellow that uh, started what later became the Methodist movement where the Methodist churches came out of, but he was a real fireball and started a movement that they called the Holiness Movement. Now, John Wesley believed that if you lived your life real intently from God, that there would come a time and place in your life where you would receive a second blessing. And after that second blessing, you would basically live sin-free. I'm here to tell you, I have not received that second blessing yet. (laughs) And I know of no one else in life that has ever received that second blessing. No one. I believe that you can live better and above and higher but everybody will still struggle with the sin nature, every person. Never underestimate the power, the deceitful power of the sin nature. It tells us here that that David one evening uh, got up and he decided that he was going to take a stroll on his balcony. And as he was on his balcony overseeing the palace, looking down, he noticed out of the sight of his eye, it caught his attention, there was a woman bathing in a bathtub on the, top, on the rooftop of her home. And he looked at that woman, and he looked again. And he looked again. And he saw that she was a beautiful woman, and so he asked his assistant to come, and he said, hey, who is that woman? Could you go find out? His assistant said, hey, she is Bathsheba, the wife of Uriah the Hittite, who right now is fighting in the army. And the Bible says that he asked that they would go get this woman, and this woman came up, and she came up to the palace, and he slept with her and then sent her home. Short verse. A lot happens in that verse. Wait, wait, wait. Time out. I thought this was David, King David, the Lord is my shepherd, David, the beat Goliath, David, the lineage of David, David, the incredible man after God's own heart. Well, how did he go from that to sleeping with some other man's wife? What happened here? I mean, we're really bursting The David balloon. What happened to David is what can happen to every single one of us if we do not heed the engine warning signs. You see, David, I believe, underestimated the power of the deceitful nature. Some people say, just trust your heart. Jeremiah 17 says, the heart is deceitful above all things and beyond cure, who can understand it? King James says, the heart is deceitful above all things, desperately wicked, who can know it? Here's the thing, your heart is not trustworthy. I've had young ladies claiming to be Christian look me straight in the face and try to tell me why they're having an affair with a married man. And telling me, it just feels right. I know you're not going to understand. But in my heart, in my heart, this just feels like it's right. And I want to say, honey, you need to talk to the wife of the man and see how she feels in her heart about it. And secondly, your heart cannot be trusted because your heart lies to you at times. In fact, we become experts. Sin is deceitful and sin deceives us. Have you ever conned yourself into something thinking that something was not as bad as it really was? You minimize, you excuse, you you rationalize, you you just try to make it seem less than it really is, but everybody around you knows that it's bad, but in your mind, you're creating a case to make it less than what it really is. That's how sin is. Oh, and when couples want to sleep together before they're married, it's, you know, we love each other and... And it's not like we're sleeping around all over. You know, we're committed. We're going to get married pretty soon after all. Hey, what's a piece of paper? I mean, we love each other, so, you know, we get a piece of paper. We're married before, after. We're committed. This is, whoa, 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 slow down, slow down. I was pretty clear about it. I didn't make up the rules. God did. Pretty clear. Deception. Well, I, I lied. It was a white lie. Well, see, I never knew that God color-coded the lies. (laughs) I never knew there's like a white lie, a yellow lie, a green lie, a purple lie, a pink lie, and then there's really the brown lies and the black lies. All those are really bad. I never knew they were color-coded. The reason we've color-coded the lies is we're trying to minimize. We try to say, it's okay if I lie if there's a good purpose behind my lie. Here's the thing. No such thing exists in Scripture. A lie is a lie, period. Deceit is deceit, period. I remember a story, and, and this is just illustrates how we, how we get into the messes we get into. My grandmother, years ago, in another state, was attending a church, and I had visited this church upon occasion. And I remember one day when she told me with great sadness in her heart, that one of the pillars of the church, a man that everybody respected, uh, someone who owned a business and had been treasurer of the church for years and years, how they did an audit and discovered that this man over 10 years had built the church of $100,000. And everybody was just shocked. How could that occur? When it all unraveled, it boiled down to he had had a daughter who was going through a divorce, and the daughter was in financial need, and he loved his daughter, and so one time, between the offering and the tabulation or the deposit of it, he had borrowed some money because his daughter was in a financial crisis, and he had, loan- he had given her the money with the thought, I'm going to pay this back, which he did the next week. I just borrowed it. No one's hurt. Loaned it, don't need to tell anybody. It happened again, and the next time he took a little longer to deposit it back, but in his mind was, hey, it's not bad, I'm paying it back, no one's getting hurt, she's in need. The next time he borrowed and couldn't pay back and borrowed a little bit more and in his mind is, I will pay it back sometime, I'm really going to get to it one of these days. And by the time it was all said and done, one thing led to another and this man that had no evil intent rationalized himself into stealing $100,000 from the church. You see, that's how our mind goes. We rationalize. The Bible says that sin is deceitful. Hebrews tells us, but encourage one another daily as long as it's called today so that none of you may be hardened by sin's deceitfulness. Ephesians 4.22 says, put off your old self which is being corrupted by its own deceitful desires. Uh, James 1.13-15 really gives us the, it gives us the anatomy of temptation. It describes how temptation happens to us. It says, hey, when you're tempted, don't say I'm tempted by God because God cannot tempt you to evil. God may test you, but he never tempts you. Nor does he tempt anyone, but each one is tempted when by his own evil desires he's dragged away and enticed. Then after desire has conceived, it gives birth to sin, and sin, when it is fully grown, gives birth to death. Let me tell you something. There is power in the deception of sin. There's two things that the enemy uses very skillfully against us to drag us into sin. One is fear. The other is deception. Fear is the opposite of faith. Decisions that are made out of fear are usually wrong decisions. Because they're not thinking about the best possible future. They're thinking about the worst possible future. They're not trusting in God. And then deceitfulness, it really has to do with promising us something that's not delivered. Sin is always that way. The way that you get into compulsive, addictive behavior, it always starts with a little bit. And here's the way it works. Every drug addict that I've known that's had to go to rehab that's messed up their life, it always starts the same way. It doesn't start by jumping into one mega massive dose of drugs. It starts with a little. But then soon they find out that what made them feel good two days ago now is not sufficient. We have to up the dosage a little bit. But in my mind, I've deceived myself. And oftentimes it's not until some major crisis or some other people around me wake me up and realize I have been in denial. Because sin is deceitful. You say, yeah, pastor, tell them that drug is bad. Hey, every compulsive, addictive behavior, even the benign ones that don't fall under the drug category, the same thing. It deceives us. The third thing that we underestimate, and I see in David's life, is that we should never underestimate the snowball effect of hidden sin. Never underestimate it. You see, somehow we think that we can keep things under control a bit. It's not his fault that he saw her, but you can always control the second look.
1: That's Mark Job on Moody Presents, and we'll pick things up again next week in our series, Deeper Beyond Shallow Spirituality. We hope this study of the life of King David is a good challenge for you in being able to recognize the spiritual warning lights in your life. You know, if you've come to rely on the teaching of this ministry, and so many have, why not become a Moody Presents partner? Your financial support will help cover the costs of bringing this practical Bible teaching to you day after day, week after week. You know, we rely on our partners, no question about it. So if you'd like to become a Moody Presents partner, head online to moodypresents.org. That's moodypresents.org a quick reminder that if you decide to give $30 a month or more you get a 50% discount off the entire Moody Publishers catalog. That's huge. Half off of all our Bible studies, Christian living books, DVDs, children's books, biographies, and more. So again, head online to moodypresents.org and use the Donate Now button. I'm John Gager, inviting you to come back next week for more Moody Presents with Mark Jobe. Our program is a production of Moody Radio, a ministry of Moody Bible Institute.